Hello, um, it's almost Christmas and you are very welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, TV critic Rihanna Dillon. And what else have we got with us? We have got a very special festive bumper edition of the Radio Times. Do you know, it's so heavy, I can hardly lift it. <laughs> There's so much going on in here. I don't want to draw attention to my interview, um, but it is here in print form. Which Yours... interview is that then, Jane? It's the one with John and Johannes from Strictly. In fact, you're so lucky because you listen to the podcast, you can hear them as well during the podcast today, which is I've, brilliant. I've never heard Jane so obsessed with anything as much as she is with John's arms and shoulders. So I think we're all in for a treat. He has one... Uh, no, never mind. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Um, there are also features about all the quality shows you've got to look forward to over the festive period. I'm looking at a wonderful photograph of the glorious Claire Foy. Um, that's because there's this incredible BBC show called A Very British Scandal, which actually Actually, we're going to talk about next week on the podcast, aren't we? I feel like Claire Foy can do no wrong, really. She I'm can't. excited to see everything that she's in. Yeah, she's just a great actress. Um, and there's loads of... What else have we got? There's cookery stuff. Um, I think probably everything except health and fashion, which uh, which does for me, really, because who wants Ooh, that? I've just spotted Gugu and Batha Raw and David Ayelowo featuring. So we're going to be talking about The Girl Before, which is their new programme. Excellent television. And that is in this week's Radio Times podcast. May you be ding-donging as merrily as you're allowed to in your part of the world right now, bearing in mind all <laughs> local restrictions. Um, it's, it's Let's face it, it's a troubling period in many of our lives, but we're going to get through it together. It's the only way to do it. And we have at least got some fantastic telly to talk about. What have we got this week? Well, as I said, we've got The Girl Before, we've got The New Sex in the City and Just Like That, which I'm... Really excited to yeah, hear your opinion it, well, on. Why is it called and just like that? I think that's kind of what she used to do, part of her VO in the old days. Who? Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie Bradshaw. Well, you know, everybody knows. Okay. Most people know. Um, what else? Being the Ricardos with Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. And also Last Train to Christmas, which is, it's nice to have a festive pick this week in advance of the our bumper edition next week with yeah. Michael Sheen. All I'll say about Last Train to Christmas was that... Uh, there were times when I wanted to hop off that train. Um, I've got to be honest. <laughs> and perhaps find myself in a branch of a pumpkin having a tepid tea. Uh, no, that's no um, at all. No, no. Oh, you mean the cafe? I thought you meant the actual <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> that's not to say uh. that they only serve tepid tea at pumpkins. Uh, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure the tea is often piping hot. Now, as we said, I have talked to the Strictly dancers, John and Johannes, um, who talked so beautifully about what it's like to be the first male same-sex couple on the show. In this clip, I've just said to John that when I was growing up, it just couldn't have happened on telly. There would never have been a same-sex couple dancing on our screens. Here's his response. No, and if there were to be any stories of homosexuality in whether it was in Coronation Street or EastEnders or on television generally it would be greatly scandalous I just don't think there were any John the first was Adam Rickett wasn't it in his gay kiss in Coronation Street and my parents closed the TV off you know in shock horror it was it was always scandal and it's finally good to be representing in a non-scandalous way you know we're just <laughs> two tall blokes thrashing around the dance floor and people like it. I do love that. Two tall blokes thrashing around the dance floor. It's a great description floor. because neither of them thrash. They are the most graceful, elegant couple ever. I think they may just... Have they converted you to Strictly? 
I, re- I do always enjoy, every time I go down to visit my parents at the weekend, I am always, I've, I'm forced to watch Strictly Itself, but also forced. It Takes Two every single night. Right. So I always get my annual dose of Strictly, but I always do enjoy it. I always get sucked in. I think the, the dances themselves are the most entertaining. I think it's, you know, the, the chat around it I could maybe do without. But I see. I do, I love that I will always be enthralled to these people who, especially those who have never danced before, who can really throw some incredible shapes on the dance floor. Yeah, it is lovely when you see people improving, actually. Yeah, Yeah, you can take pleasure in that. We start this week with this new show, The Girl Before. It starts on BBC One on Sunday the 20th and then it runs across Monday the 21st, Tuesday the 22nd and Wednesday the 23rd of December at 9 o'clock. It's also available as a box set on the iPlayer from Sunday the 20th after the first episode has gone out. Now, I think probably we need you to set up the concept of this show because... It has a concept. It does, it? yeah. So it was written actually a few years. It was a novel that's been adapted by J.P. Delaney, who he's adapted his own novel, and it's these, these two parallel stories about women who move into this very specific house built by an architect who is very much still in the picture, played by David Oyelowo, and he has very specific rules about living in this house, which involve no clutter at all. I think one cupboard for your personal belongings, nothing left on the floor, questionnaires that you have to fill in, opportunities moments and these two women are three years apart one is played by Gugu Mbatha-Raw and the other is played by Jessica Plummer here's a clip from episode one where Emma and Simon who are prospective tenants of the house at this point are being interviewed by the architect who designed the house and he is played by David Oyelowo tell me why you'd like to live at one Fulgate Street well it would obviously be a great opportunity to live somewhere incredible Uh, You've done such a fantastic job of designing it. And we'll just try and do it justice. And it would really just be our dream to live there. Wouldn't it, Si? Definitely. And I think it will change us. In what way? We were burgled. Well, I was. Simon was out with his mates. Yes, that gives you an idea. Uh, Just how creepy... (laughs) It's so creepy. It is, it is creepy, yes. isn't it? So it's not just... And I actually... Well, I've only seen the first episode mm. and, and we need to say as well, it's incredibly stylized, stylish. Yes. Combination of the two, I guess. You know how people always say about maybe about houses, about cities, oh, it's like they're another character in the film or the, another yes. character in the TV. Yeah. Well, actually, in this, the house is another character because it sort of has mood. Just describe it. It's quite brutalist in its yeah. design and it's so minimalist. There are Everything is sort of straight lines. There is nothing there that needn't be there. There's There aren't even light switches on the walls because everything is sort of overrun. It's, it's like a sort of AI called Housekeeper. So you know how well, we know how creepy AIs can be with like 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, it and really chills my chills my blood. It is, actually. It's terrifying because you ha- you don't really know the level of what they're how they're being watched if they are being watched or if it's just taking. It says they're taking data from. You mining. Know, He's data mining. Data isn't he? mining, basically, yeah. So then there's this other level of realization when you, you notice that both these women look very, very similar. And then you find a little bit later on that the architect's wife in the show also looks very similar to these women. And so then you start to read that the girl before really starts to resonate. 
Oh, I don't know. Um, it's so. I think it's great. I just think it's not as outrageously stupid as something like Vigil was. You know, I don't think this is that level, isn't it? Well, it's it's not set on a submarine. I'll give it that. <laughs> I suppose I'm just getting a bit sick of these TV environments that are like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the ultra minimalist, as you say, mm. clutter free environments in which sinister things happen. Yeah. I don't know. I seem to. I've seen so much of that this year. I understand exactly what you mean although I think that they're really making a point with this one before it's just like oh this is how people really live whereas in this they're like this is so weird people do not live like this and it's strange when they do so I think there seems like there is a real point to be made and both the women who are drawn into this they are vulnerable they have awful things in there they're both traumatised women yeah. yeah they are it's got a big sort of female behind the scenes crew as well there's the exec producer um, the director the co-writer are all women and I think that so this does feel like it's told more from a female lens which I think the book possibly wasn't okay. because it was written by a male author I think maybe that this is much more nuanced than the book was in terms of telling it from these women's perspectives Have you seen all of it? No Okay because I was going I need to ask you whether it's worth pursuing to a conclusion that will satisfy I don't know yet but episode 2 is also brilliant and the fact that this all drops in one night on iPlayer I'm 100% just going to binge straight through and finish it it's honestly and I think having Gugu and Batarore and David Oyelowo is just it just elevates These are movie stars that we're seeing on our small screens and it just makes everything kind of have a bit more of a sheen and you trust in it more somehow. Oh, it's beautiful to look at. Mm. Absolutely. People are beautiful. And if you like that kind of clutter-free environment and if you'd seen my uh, collection of ceramic hedgehogs that I've got all over the house, you'll know that that's (laughs) not really me. Um, Do you? No, but I've just got... It's going to be very surprising. I have so much tat in my my home. I'm always, you know, stuffing a load of... bits into bin bags and say that's enough and getting my kids to try and sort things out and it never works Um, so I just cannot imagine living in one of those places Mm -hmm. anyway this is a a good pre-Christmas chiller Um, actually a real big thumbs up from you Mm -hmm. and I certainly I've got questions after the first episode but that certainly doesn't mean I won't devour episode two three and four Um, so that's the girl before starts on BBC One on Sunday the 20th and runs until the Wednesday of that week and there's a box set on the iPlayer as well And now, much anticipated, uh, and I think appropriately, some people have got the claws out for this one. It's the return of Sex and the City, sort of. Uh, It's a new show called And Just Like That. Uh, How can people see this, Rihanna? Should they care to? There are two episodes already on Sky Comedy and Now TV, and the next episode is on tomorrow, Thursday, the 16th of December. Here's a clip. The more I live, the more I find that if you have good friends in your corner... Anything's possible. Carrie, party of three? (laughs) The future is unwritten because we're all at different stages of life. Tonight, bring your A game. How many dating apps are you on? I'm just waiting for someone to create a dating site that's called Here's the Man You've Been Searching for, Seema. This is X, Y, and me. What about you, Carrie? Have you ever masturbated in a public place? Not since Barney's closed. (laughs) Okay, that is a short extract from And Just Like That. It's the return of Sex and the City, but not the whole cast, of course, because Samantha is not there. Was this all just a dreadful mistake, Rihanna? It should have stayed as a lunch. It's become a series. 
No. Yes. It's a, it's a really kind of big fat no from me, to be honest. I cringed and genuinely sweated my way through episode Why? one because there were all these awful moments. You can just tell that it's written by somebody who is so out of touch with today and what people are interested in and it feels like it's all just come a little bit too late and it's like are they trying to make up for their sort of past mistakes because I feel like yes there are always going to be think pieces about it was offensive or they said this thing but you don't have to rectify every single one of those and is now that... 23 years later okay or so what are you referring to have they become woke well it's more just they sort of point out so for example in episode one there are multiple cases where a black character will come on stage and they'll point out in some way that they're black so someone says oh look it's black charlotte or um because the show was white very yeah, oh, white massively so the fact that they're having to point this out in itself is really weird and it kind of really goes against the idea of representation if you have to point out every time that somebody is non-binary or a lesbian or whatever. Um, and the fact that they do it multiple times in episode one is just so painful. Um, Miranda, for some reason, I mean, there's a line in the... I'm 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 sort of more au fait with the first film than I am maybe with previous series. Yeah. But there's a line in, in the first film of Sex and the City where Miranda is looking for a flat in Brooklyn and she famously says she's kind of having a terrible time hates it and then goes a white man with a baby white man with a baby i'm gonna follow him and everyone was rightly furious at that um and then they've sort of made her into this weird wannabe woke anti-racist but doing everything wrong putting her foot in her mouth woman and she's a lawyer this just doesn't it wouldn't it doesn't ring true it just doesn't ring true i've I've seen reports suggesting that episode two is sharper and funnier and less irritating it's less clunky certainly okay gosh you you're hard to please with this one um (laughs) the, the absence of kim cattrall's character samantha is it felt or didn't you care? I did care because she was always my favourite because she was the most fun and she kind of brought those lines in a more natural way. You could imagine her coming up with these quips more than maybe some of the other characters or act- actors. And so they do explain away her absence. She's moved to London. Her and Carrie have fallen out big time. Just in fact as they have. Uh, yes, but because it's so kind of parallels what's happened in real, what happened in real life, where Kim Cattrall is openly slated Sarah Jessica Parker for her being nasty to them back in the day. I can't I don't know all of the details obviously, wasn't privy to it, but it does feel that the real life is slightly detracting from what's happening yeah, in the okay. show. I mean I have I, I know some people say the better show would be following Samantha. I think she's moved to London. Yes. Yeah, as you say. So why not let's find out what Samantha's up that to. That would be great. Down. She doesn't want to return to that role very clearly, I think. But yeah, I yeah, agree. I think you're right. I I'm very um, I have to say my loyalties lie with Kim Cattrall because she did DM me. Did she? Yeah, I've had some DMs from Kim That's very cool. What I've, about? I can't say. <gasps> it. Probably she wanted my advice. That's a- <laughs> one very or t- exciting. One or two things. <laughs> Um, no, and of course she's a scouser. So um, no, I'm, um, Kim is is a bit of a legend, isn't she? Yes. Um, I don't know though. It does feel to me like some people couldn't wait to to criticise this, and now they're delighted it's here and they can have a go at it. Yeah, I think that's There's a bit of sourness true. around some of the responses, isn't there? I think I think people will always have high hopes for something, but very ready to completely annihilate it because it because it's not twenty years ago. You know, this is this was a show made for a very specific time aimed at women of a specific age and now all these women are older and so they're trying to tap into a slightly older market but it just doesn't 
I don't know, it do, does all feel a bit jarring and it's very, there's something really tragic that happens in episode one. Oh, I know, yeah. And then it's really bleak and terribly sad. And so you, so the humour is also lost. I don't know, it's a, it's bad. Yeah, apparently the manufacturers of the exercise bike aren't that chuffed either. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, oh my God, I bet they had to have lawyers in. Yeah. Um, I wonder what people think of reunion shows. Do let us know what you think. Podcast at radiotimes.com. Because uh, we've had now the Sex and the City women, or three of them, are back together. Um, tell us whether you think it's worth it or not. And the Friends reunion earlier this year, I suppose it was only a that, one-off. That was lovely. You've got a softer side, haven't yes. you? Yeah. But do these things work? Are they all just indulgent? Let us know. Uh, podcast at radiotimes.com. And that's also the email address, of course, if you just want to tell us about uh, something you're looking forward to over Christmas or uh, after the Christmas period and all the great telly, let us know what has really hit the spot with you. We'd love to discuss that uh, in the new year. Highlighter pens at the ready. The Radio Times Christmas issue is here, including a 14-day guide bursting with festive features and reviews and recommendations of the very best TV, streaming, film and radio this Christmas. The star-studded double edition includes interviews with Julie Waters, David Tennant, Billy Connolly, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the stars of Strictly and Christmas dinner tips from TV's finest chefs. It wouldn't be Christmas without Radio Times. On sale now. Before we hear the Strictly interview then, what else have we got coming up? We've got Last Train to Christmas and Being the Ricardos, the big Amazon film about Lucille Ball. So plenty are still to come. First, let's get into that interview with the Strictly couple, John and Johannes. You'll hear my interview with them, which you can also read in the bumper Christmas edition of the Radio Times. Here's a quick clip from this season, Strictly. Uh, they have just performed the Salsa in the quarterfinal and they're talking to Claudia. John, it meant a lot to you to dance to that track because it reminds you oh, of your family, isn't it? My sisters, sisters. My sisters at uh, like family weddings, at discos, Victoria and Jane and me would just get up on the dance floor, yeah. act like idiots and just live our best life. And that was the energy I wanted to channel tonight was just to have a good time. You certainly you know? did. Also, this is a dance that you can't do half-heartedly. You can't go, do you know what, I'll give 65%. No. A lot of pressure on you. A lot of pressure this week and Johannes has made that quite clear, haven't you? That it's, yeah. You've got to go in it or no, don't bother, don't turn up if you're not going to go full hog. Yeah. And that's what made me think, do you know what? Quarterfinals, just go for it. We've worked hard to get here, so let's have some fun. There's so much we could talk about in a relatively limited time, but um, how do you both perceive it to be going so far? And has the reaction been maybe better than you might have expected? John, do you, do you mind starting with that one? The reaction has definitely been much better. You know, we, Johannes and I both spoke about it before we started, didn't we? And we anticipated flack. We anticipated uh, trolling hate mail you know you anticipate that because it's what we've become accustomed to as queer people um but in fact the reality is that it's actually not been bad at all it's been beautiful it's been overwhelmingly kind and generous and the amount of people we've had message saying i'm proud as a, a straight mum and a straight dad to have my children grow up in a world where two men can dance together has been Truly overwhelming, actually. Absolutely, my love. And you say only in this country, around the world. Um, you know, it's it just boils down. My mum, this partnership, my mum is so excited about it. And to be able to talk to my mum about it, like openly, has just been the greatest thing for me. 
I just feel like I've won already with John. Did your mom, she's come over your mom, hasn't she? It was a plan. She actually said she would love to come and see me and John dance. That means that she's built up the courage to take that flight, that 14-hour flight. And that's nice. She'd not, never been to the UK before? She's never been. She's never travelled outside the country. Hasn't she? Okay, right. I mean, I think... Um, you wouldn't be aware of this, Johannes, because you grew up in South Africa, but for, for someone of my age, I'm 57, so when I sit down on Saturday night and I watch you two dance, and I actually watched it with my daughter on Saturday night, and I was trying to tell her what a landmark this was. She didn't really get it. She's 21. And I was going, no, you don't understand. You know, when I, when I grew up, we, the, the concept of two men dancing like this, well, you know, you're not as old as me, but it couldn't have happened, could it? No, and if there were to be any... Uh, stories of homosexuality in whether it was in Coronation Street or EastEnders or on television generally, it would be greatly scandalous. I just don't think there were any, John. The first was Adam Rickett, wasn't it, in his gay kiss in Coronation Street? And my parents closed the TV off, you know, in shock horror. It was it was always scandal. And it's finally good to be represented in a non-scandalous way. You know, we're just <laughs> too tall blokes thrashing around the dance floor and people like it. <laughs> a bit more than thrashing around the dance floor, can I say. Um, did, am I right in saying that you thought initially or did you want initially to dance with a woman? No, not a woman. I wanted to dance initially. I thought I would be better dancing with a straight man. Um, and not that we have any say in it, you know, we don't have any say in who we're partnered with. But I did say to Steph, uh, who's the talent executive, that I think it would be wise to partner me with a straight man just to make... Mm a clear statement that it's not about sexuality, it's about the fact that two men can dance together. But as I got, as I was announced and I saw that people were very pro the male-male coupling, I realised that actually it was a big thing for the gay community as well. Not when we're on the dance floor. When we're on the dance floor, it's about the dancing and I only want to be voted for based on our dancing. I only want to get good results from the judges based on the amount of work that we've put in and the fact that we're getting the steps right. But to deny that our partnership is significant is would be a really wrong thing because it is significant. So it's the authenticity of two gay men dancing together that is really important to you both, to you as well, Johannes. I do, I do agree. I, I agree to that. Yeah, I think we wouldn't have had that connection on the floor if it, if that wasn't the case. You know, I look at him and I think, wow, it has felt different for me. <laughs> I was lifted for the first time in my life ever. I've I've always I've always done this and danced with other pros behind the scenes. But it never crossed my mind that one day I would actually be dancing with another male on a on a show like and this. And for your for your mom, does she is she able to watch back home? She is. Yeah. She's a week late. Okay, but um, she sees but it. But she sees it. And yeah. What has her reaction been? I can't even begin to tell you. So she's the only one that has got the decoder that are, that that receives BBC Brit. And the whole community gathers at a house every Sunday to watch it. So every time I call them, they call me on a Saturday and it's just a big celebration. It's the, it's the craziest thing. They're, they're very proud. Yeah. And, and how old are you, Johannes? Do you mind I'm me 34 on? years of age. Okay. So when you were growing, it's the free state, isn't it? It is the free yeah. state. When you were growing up, how far removed is the experience of your mum's neighbours gathering to watch you and being proud of you? How far... Has, the, has that reaction travelled from the way you were treated as a kid? That's the most incredible thing about where I come from. I've always thought it's Buckingham Palace <laughs> because 
I was surrounded by love and support. I really was. I don't think I would have been here if it wasn't for those people. I was unique seeing that I wasn't playing rugby and soccer like all the other boys in the community. And I think every time they saw me dance, you know, they were like, oh, you you, you know, what, what, what do you need? How can we help you? So they were, the same people would contribute from their pockets, whether it was a five rand or a 10 rand, but put that together. That was my restoration money pocket money. And that's why eventually I'm here where I am. So you weren't bullied? I was. I was a bit flamboyant <laughs> and it didn't help that I was dancing, you know, while others were doing other things. And it is. My mom was more happy for me to be a dance than to be in the streets, you know, because of the neighborhood where I come from. It's not the safest or, you know, and, and yeah, those, they, they did, they did bully me. I, I worried why sometimes it came from adults because, I thought then as a child to say that, you know, you could call, you could call it out, but yeah, they used to call me names and all that. And I remember going back to mom and I would tell mom, you know, this is a situation. And she always said to me, like, pay them no mind. You know, I love you. And that, that, that should all, that's all that matters, honestly. Can I just ask a little bit about uh, the choreography? Because um, I wonder whether you, you are the choreographer, mm-hmm. you, you, you make sure that John knows exactly what he's doing and when and all the rest of it. Are you a little bit hesitant because this is a first? Do you sometimes just find yourself drawing back? And overwhelmed mm. at four o'clock in the morning? Yes. <laughs> um, I've, 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 and I've called the Strictly team as well several times to say help. Am I that bad? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's 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 wanting to get it right, I guess. You know, um, and with that with that in mind, for me to say, other people will be offended. Um, I remember John, a couple of weeks ago before we did our rumba, there was this whole urge to see us you know, do a romantic dance, for instance, because they felt, they felt like we shied away from it for, for such a long time. Um, and we got to do the rumba, but it was all coming. It's a process, isn't it? It was beautiful. And it didn't, I don't know whoever got offended. <laughs> I don't know how they can get offended with such artistry and beauty. And I thought John was incredible that evening. I mean, your childhood in the free state in South Africa is one thing. I and mean, you grew up, I think, in Wigan. Yeah. I mean, is there any, did you have anything in common with the childhood in the free state? I mean, I, I don't think I would have had it as, as hard. I think I probably had many more opportunities, perhaps. Um, but I too was people wanted me to play rugby. My stepdad wanted me to play rugby, and oh, yeah, they have that in common. I cried on the on the rugby pitch the first match because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, um, and I didn't. Yeah, I, I just was. I was. I was from a farming background as well, so it's not particularly a very liberal, liberally minded environment to grow up in as a gay person. So yeah, I was bullied at school as well. You know, I was bullied quite badly at high school, uh, but I always stood up for myself. I got into a fair few fist fights in high school. Um, not that I condone violence, but I think it's important to stand up for yourself. And the Bake Off win, well, you have said that you sort of perhaps struggled with the fame that came with that. Yeah. Is it easier this time around? Is this a happier environment? For you? It is. And, you know, after Strictly, I know there's going to be a kind of come down because there always is, whether it's doing an amateur play for Wigan Little Theatre, which I did a couple of years ago, or doing the biggest TV show on, on the planet, there's always going to be an element of withdrawal and, and bereavement. But I feel like I'm in a, I'm, I'm 32 now, I'm a, I'm a grown man and I kind of, I was a, a puppy really when I won Bake Off. You were in your very early 20s. Yeah, yeah, really early 20s. And I hadn't been through like the trauma that I've been through 
to just to become a you know reasonable rational rational human being. So I think I'll be all right. And but this is this is special because I'm being guided and glided through it by this handsome hunk here which is always helpful. Yeah, well, that moves me on seamlessly to the Strictly Curse. Now, you are engaged, aren't you? I am. Yeah. 13 years with, with Paul. Right, OK. So, um, but people still ask because... And the reason they ask is because you are in this incredible, intoxicating bubble, aren't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just wouldn't be human if it didn't have some impact on you. Well, it's, it's characterisation as well, like... You know, when we did the rumba, it was very romantic, wasn't it? It was very intimate and sensual. And I felt like I loved Johannes, you know, and I do love him to bits. Um, but the, you, when you when you embody that character, you know, you have to you have to give it your all. It's like being on it's, well, it is being on stage. So it is intimate. And you can see why people might you can see why the Strictly Curse is a thing. You really can. But you have to rationalise whether or not it's what you what you want from the rest of your life. You know, if you want to make that decision, you know. Mm-hmm. It's you can see why people hook up at Strictly. Yeah, you know you're not saying much, Giannis. No. <laughs> um, but you can also see why. Absolutely, absolutely. All that time spent together dancing, it is. You get to learn about somebody, and you get to, you know, if you are not in control of things, and some things happen. No, it's 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 yeah. it's human. It's human. Do you think that you will be friends for life? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. It's <laughs> unquestionable. Yeah, okay. Well, that's... Look. And I just wonder, from the from the perspective of you being South African, the fact that you're dancing with a white man, mm. and is that... Does that, at home, is that something that people reference? Or I don't know whether you call South Africa, yeah. forgive mm-hmm. me, but in South Africa, do people talk about that? No, it's... it's, And I'm so glad that we are where we are right now. And I'm so glad that I also live in this country for that particular reason, because I feel like very progressive, the Britisher. Yes, back home in South Africa, where I come from, you still find parts of it that, you know, that are still stuck in those in those days. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much better... I'm not going back home, by the way. <laughs> I'm not. And for many, many reasons, hoping that South Africa becomes a better place. So you think Britain is more uh, an accepting place to be? Oh, yeah. definitely. Okay. I don't know whether everybody of colour would agree with you in Britain. But, I know, um, I know different perspectives, isn't it? I mean, I come from where I come from and I see the, I see the difference. But you, if, like you said the other day, if you were, if you were a cap and black jacket, you'll, you'll, you'll often get pulled Absolutely. up by the police. Absolutely. That was also another thing for me because back in South Africa, that would have never been the case, yeah. you know, with police. Institutional so you, racism. You stopped in Britain. In Britain, yeah. In what circumstances? Well, they thought I was, I looked like somebody suspicious. Um, I was having a coffee. Um, I, I had a black leather jacket on with a black cap. And that was enough for them to to ask me for my ID and ask me what I was doing in that in that in that place. And that's not nice because it does happen often, you know what I mean? That happened in London. Aberdeen in London, yes, around where I stay. Um, and I think they were doing just their routine check. You only need to look at statistics though to see that people of colour and black people are, are stopped by the police far more often. Yes, and it is just upsetting, especially when you say you think Britain is more accepting than, um, and then you also tell me that, yeah, because um, that obviously wouldn't happen, it just wouldn't happen to me. Okay, the other big character, if you like, in Strictly this year, the story that everyone's following is Rose and Giovanni, and I, I just think, um, I mean, I'm sure you're likely to be in the final, I don't think that's giving too much weight, and I think she will be in the final too. Um 
the great thing about it is it won't matter which which of you wins, will it really? Because either way it will be, a, I don't know, just a good story and a positive, a positive outcome. I feel way. like we won for ourselves and our community in our first dance. It doesn't matter if we don't lift the glitter ball. And I... I 100% believe that Rosie's going to win this. And rightly so. I think what she and Giovanni have achieved is, well, what she's achieved is beautiful. I think she's, what she represents and what she stands for is, it's just everything that we're fighting for, diversity, inclusion, acceptance. Um, so I'll vote for Rose. Both uh, lovely guys. It was really nice to talk to John and Johannes and wish them the best, of course. Now, um, by the way, John can't vote for Rose, not because he doesn't want to, but because the rules don't allow him to vote <laughs> on the show he is performing in. So you've seen bits of Strictly this year, haven't you? Perhaps not as much as me. And Not do, as much as you. Who do you think is going to win? It's got to be Rose, hasn't I it? I think it probably will be, although I wouldn't be surprised if it's John and Johannes. I do love watching them. I think they bring so much to every every dance that I've seen them do even when he because in the in the quarterfinals he made quite a kind of big mistake at the end right well, he dropped he, he dropped Johannes <laughs> quite hard <laughs> um, but you know as because I was watching it takes two later on that week yes. I then saw them in rehearsals and saw how it was supposed to go um and I, I just think they're brilliant I think they still manage to present themselves even when they're making mistakes with so much grace. They are enjoying it as well, yeah. um, which is lovely. And also because they do understand the significance of the two of them dancing together mm -hmm. and the impact it makes. And I, I just think it's, I think it's cheered, cheered people up. As Strictly often does. I mean, I think yes. people forget last year's Strictly final from memory was on the Saturday that Christmas was cancelled. I was too busy crying into all of the bottles oh. of wine and the turkey that I just bought for my entire family that well, we're never going to see it. Exactly. And the show, <laughs> the Strictly show, did go on and in fact I went back to look at my diary of that Did day you? Yeah, and I have said oh you know grim day for all sorts of reasons Strictly was good though <laughs> <laughs> next up then Being the Ricardos this is a film it's in cinemas and available on Amazon Prime from the 21st of December and before the clip here's Rihanna to tell us a little bit about it it's about Lucille Ball who was the star of I Love Lucy and this particular film is about the fallout after she went to court to deny that she was a communist because being communist in America in the 50s was not a good look. It really wasn't. Um, McCarthyism was a real thing at the time. Um, let's have a clip. I am the biggest asset in the portfolio of the Columbia Broadcasting System. Quiet, please. The biggest asset in the portfolio of Philip Morris Tobacco Westinghouse. Let's do our show. I get paid a fortune to do exactly what I love doing. Um, they got their money's worth. Pictures up. I work side by side with my husband, who is genuinely impressed by me. And all I have to do to keep it is kill for 36 weeks in a row. Okay, let's go. And then do it again the next year. Hope that gives you some idea. Any woman in television who tells you it's tough to be in telly in 2021, uh, they should watch this and realise just how tough Lucille Ball had it in the 1950s. So, first of all, what about the performances? Because there are positive things to say about this, aren't there? Nicole Kidman is great. I mean, she's. All, I really like Nicole Kidman. I think sometimes she gets a bit of a bad rep, but I think she is a proper movie star. So seeing her as a, a TV star, actually, is, is kind of weird. I know people have said that the prosthetics that they use to make Nicole Kidman look like Lucille Ball is well, off-putting. I've been reading quite a lot of reviews of this and the focus on Nicole Kidman's appearance, 
I think is a bit weird and a bit creepy. <laughs> and I don't think it's the kind of treatment that a man wearing prosthetics would get. Well, we there's another film that we're going to be talking about in a minute where prosthetics are going to be mentioned quite a lot. So we'll see. We'll see what we've got to say about Michael Sheen. Actually, but, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but with Nicole Kidman, I think her performance is excellent. And actually, the prosthetics, yes, they're slightly, maybe slightly odd, but there are flashes where I think she really does look like Lucille Ball. I think it works. And then Javier Bardem is always, he's kind of, we're used to him playing quite larger-than-life characters. He is Mr Ricardo, her husband. Desi. And he's Cuban. Yes, he is. Desi Arnaz, and he is Cuban, and he's also sort of very anti-communist because his family went through a hell of a lot with communist rebels um, in Cuba. So, So there is this really interesting sort of underlying political thing going on Lucille Ball wasn't, you know, it wasn't like she was a total communist, but there were elements she of her upbringing. She ticked a box upbringing. on a form. Yeah, like 20 years ago. Yeah. There were elements of her upbringing that made her sympathetic to the working man, as she puts it. So I think that's something really interesting in there, and I don't think that was explored enough. I think those sort of politics that you just weren't allowed to talk about because you, were, you would be blacklisted, um, I think that's something fascinating that Aaron Sorkin, who wrote it and directed it, just could have maybe pushed a little bit more. I think that's the kind of conversations that I would have been really interested in. Are you interested enough in 1950s television to really care about the subject matter here? Well, I don't know about you. I'm, because as a film TV nerd, I love seeing the sort of behind the scenes of how things get made. I knew you'd like that. (laughs) Because I I am actually, well, I'm just not that engaged by scenes set in writers' rooms with everybody. See, I love that. But I can understand. Yes, if you're not into that sort of world, why would you be interested? I totally understand that. I I got confused by the flashbacks mm. and the, and the whole structure of it. There there are elements of this film that for me are too clever. It's too clever for its own mm. good. And if you're and I'm going to say I am a pretty every woman average viewer. I do like films and I do love quality. But I, I, slight, I need to be spoon-fed a little bit more. I can't always battle my way through the fog of the complicated structure yes. to get to the heart of the matter. And, yes. I, and I find all that over-complication takes away from the emotion that I think... Mm-hmm. I just wish they'd make things simpler for the bog-standard viewer. I don't, and that's me. Don't put your... You're putting yourself down massively there. That's not you. That's the... That's Aaron Sorkin's fault. He has okay. made this overly complicated. Oh, and... so I'm not, I'm not wrong to think that. No, of course okay. not. Never. Thank I d- you. I do think it's... He is, he is trying to be... I mean, he's a brilliant writer. Um, he wrote The West Wing, and I think he will always be lauded for that, and Steve Jobs, and recently The Trial of the Chicago 7. But then he, as a director, I just don't think he's very good. And I think that those flashbacks are a prime reason why he should maybe just stick to the writer's room and not yeah. behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, you'll never guess where there's a feature on being the Ricardos. Where? In the Radio Times Christmas edition. Um, it's it's clever stuff, as I say, uh, perhaps a little too clever. It's not something, though, that you could accuse our next... <laughs> that was a great link. Thank you. Our next film, which is Last Train to Christmas. It's on Sky Cinema <laughs> and Now Television from this Saturday, the 18th of December. Um, we'll get into this in a minute. We'll get into this in the way you'd get into a pig in a blanket. Um, it's Here's a clip. Salivating and all at once. <laughs> when I change carriage, I move through time. It's good for you. Now, where's your ticket? We'll lose it all, Sue. The house. Everything. It's Christmas tomorrow. For you, maybe. It's never really Christmas for me. I'm going to do everything properly this time. 
When you're there, it works. The decisions you make today, that's what matters. clip from Last Train to Christmas which is on Sky Cinema Now TV from this Saturday the 18th of December Okay, uh, stick your party hat on I feel like Michael Sheen is doing everything he can to avoid being a sex symbol (laughs) I know that you shouldn't (laughs) going into anything but he really has some of the most unattractive wigs and prosthetics in this Some cracking mullets in this One thing, it's too long It is overly long, it's It's over two hours It's absolutely ludicrous and I think somebody could have made a good I'm going to be generous, 85 minutes worth (laughs) of sort of relatively good comedy here. They haven't, and they've let it go on and on and on, but hair and makeup, at least (laughs) 9 out of 10. It's such a great conceit, actually, because it's similar to It's a Wonderful Life, but the train is like trying. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, it is trying. So... So, yes, he moves through decades with each train carriage. So the very kind of start of the train is his childhood in the 50s. 50s? 40s? I think it was the 40s. It was black and white. Yes, 40s. And then as we go through each train carriage, we see him get older and older. And he, yeah, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. And so that that conceit is really fun because as it opens, it opens in the 80s, right? When he's he's got a mullet and he is Tony Towers. Tony Towers, he's a nightclub owner. And you can exactly picture that person. He's almost got a bit of Peter Stringfellow about him. Part Peter to Stringfellow, part Joe Exotic. <laughs> oh, that, that, that was the vibe I was getting. The mullet, yeah. So we open in, in the 80s, but what's really fun, I think, you might disagree, is that it is all shot as if it was an 80s commercial. So the aspect ratio changes depending on which year it is. It's sort of square and then it becomes more rectangular as he kind of gets older into the later decades as TV's aspect ratio has changed. And even like the lenses Sorry, they just use. stop right there. Okay. TV's aspect ratios changed. Well, yes, because you know it's kind of very square, like in the to sort of go with the very square TVs from the old days, and then now we have these massive widescreen TVs. Some of us so... do, darling. <laughs> not everyone. Are you, not, are you telling me that you haven't got a widescreen TV? Oh, I'm always being mocked by my kids because I've got a really small tail. <laughs> Maybe you didn't notice that. I'm afraid again the detail that passed me by. Um, I didn't. I've got to be really honest. I didn't laugh, nor was I particularly moved. Mm. Is that wrong? No, I think the story itself was quite weak. It sort of stems from Tony having regrets, realising that he is quite selfish and and the knock-on effect that this has on his brother, um, who becomes incredibly damaged, the more and less that he tries to interfere. So he can change time. If he does something in one train carriage a decade earlier, it changes what happens as he goes forward and back and vice versa. Um, And yeah, I don't think that was a strong enough story. And that's why that two hours really dragged. And also, Natalie Emmanuel, who is a beautiful actress, she's in Game of Thrones. She was in the Four Weddings and a Funeral remake, um, TV remake. She's gorgeous and she's very young and she plays Michael Sheen's love interest mm. and that was really quite weird and unnecessary and you know I'm it, glad you mentioned that that yeah in retrospect he's that supposed was supposed also... to be sleazy I know but it just didn't well and he's also our hero I suppose it just didn't quite ring well he's, true. he's our he's our sort anti-hero. of anti-hero yeah. yeah look if you've got a couple of hours to kill and the family are there and you want something relatively inoffensive that might raise a chortle then this is it and there's an interview with Michael Sheen in the Bumper Christmas Radio Times out now 
It's quiz time. So this is the quiz where Jane has to guess the year, depending on the clues that I give her. And last last time, I think you were about a decade off. Yeah, I've had a poor run. So <laughs> let's see if we can get you a bit closer this time. Your first clue is Coronation Street celebrated its 40th year on TV. So here's a clip with Corrie characters, Rita Sullivan, Audrey Roberts and Mike Baldwin. So... What's going to be happening here, then? Well, whatever it is, I shan't be here. Uh, I'm lunching with Prince Charles, you know. Just you and him. <laughs> No, not quite, no. He's opening a new planning office at the town hall. Oh. So I thought one should make an effort. Oh, one should. Oh, Mike, hi. Oh, oh. Hey, did you know Prince Charles was visiting Weatherfield? Well, he needn't try coming down here. Oh, no. Do you know this lot tried to stop me going in my own factory? Not because of a load of old cobbles. I mean, if they've got so much time on their hands, why don't they have a demo about something really important? Were you a Corrie fan? Massive. Okay. Um, and I definitely would have watched that. Uh, Did as... you watch it from its inception 40 no. years previously? No, not quite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we did all, as a family, sit and watch The Street. Uh, and it, it, it's gone off. I'm sorry to say this, but oh. it's not a thing anymore for me. But it was huge in our house. So that's relatively helpful. Okay. okay. Uh, Steve Redgrave is named as this year's BBC Sports Personality of the Year. And here's a clip where he won his fifth gold medal. Big clue here at the Sydney Olympics. And the crowd rising now, standing. Everybody's up there to uh, see this moment as Great Britain and Steve Redgrave cross the line in first place to take the gold ahead of Italy. Australia in bronze. Slovenia are in fourth place ahead of the United States. And New Zealand will finish in sixth place. And Steve Redgrave, well, the pain will set in. It's set in now. But he's done it, Dan. Uh, A fifth Olympic gold medal. The first man, first athlete in an endurance sport to achieve what he has just done. Look at him there. He looks a bit out of it. (laughs) I love Steve Redgrave. What an athlete. Genuinely incredible achievement. He looks a bit out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yes. Um, Okay, so that was Sydney Olympics. I think I've got this one. Yeah, you must have. So finally, Judith Keppel became the first contestant to win £1 million on the UK version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, have we got a clip from this? We might. Welcome back to the third part of tonight's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Just before the break, Judith Keppel was asked this question. Which king was married to Eleanor of Aquitaine? Henry I, Henry II, Richard I or Henry V? She had... £500,000. She could have walked away with that. She didn't have to play it. She knew if she gave me a wrong answer, she would have lost £468,000. She did decide to play, and she went for Henry II. You've just won one million! And I said in the studio, Henry II. Didn't you did. I? You absolutely yeah. did. You got that right. Yeah, Henry II. So can um, you get the year right? It's 2000. You are absolutely correct. Ta-da. Woo! Where are my streamers? Oh, well, it was well, the millennium. You've got them in your heart and that's what matters. <laughs> Do tell me again about that thing you noticed in Last Train to Christmas. I think I might. In fact, I'm going to invite Rihanna for Christmas dinner and she can just entertain my rallies. Oh, shut up. So I don't have to. <laughs> Uh, So if you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've discussed today, then make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcasts. Do follow and join us every week. The Radio Times podcast is produced by... Something else. For... Immediate Media. Have a good pre-Christmas week. Take care. Yes, goodbye.